welcome to Crossview Radio, a weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. So here we are uh, talking about discipleship. And uh, I began last week's podcast with the acknowledgement that uh, this is kind of a popular topic uh, in recent days, and there is a temptation. I think, for us to become reductionists. And that is to say we have a tendency to perhaps favor one topic over another. Uh, Maybe it's our hobby horse, and that's kind of all we talk about, and then everything is about that one uh, hobby horse. But instead, what we want to do is see the entire scope of Scripture. We want to see all of God's truth. And so I say this just acknowledging that Discipleship is a popular topic today, um, and a lot of people are talking about it, but I do want to say it is biblical, at least when we have a biblical idea of what discipleship looks like, and um, that's really kind of the topic of conversation today, and there's a lot that we can talk about. I'm not trying to be exhaustive uh, in uh, these uh, this podcast here, but um, I do want to talk primarily about just two things today, and the first one Uh, is this. We are not just supposed to make disciples. We are supposed to make disciple-making disciples. And I'd like to really um, uh, take us to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, that really expresses this truth where we read this. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And that last part is particularly what we're looking at. Who will be able to teach others also? We are to teach those who can teach others. And I do recall uh, reading one author one time who uh, who said this. He says, The gospel came to you because it was heading to someone else. God never intended for his salvation to be an end but a beginning. God saved you to be a conduit through whom his glorious life-changing gospel would flow to others. Uh, I, I will, though, though I m- mainly agree with that statement, I'm just going to modify it slightly uh, because I just want to be clear that the end goal of my salvation is not uh, so that someone else would be saved. The end goal of my salvation is to glorify God. And uh, real briefly here, Ephesians 2, 7 tells us, uh, Paul explains the nature of salvation. And then he says in verse 7, so that all this uh, dead being brought to life, uh, regeneration, he says, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And so in terms of the end goal of salvation, it's for the display of the glory and grace of God. With that being said, there is a sense in which the author is correct, assuming that he's not talking about the end goal of my salvation. And I do resonate very much with what he's saying. When the gospel came to you, your identification changed you are now identified by who you are in Christ and not by what you used to be. You are now a conduit through which God's gospel message comes to others. God could write the gospel message in the clouds. He could deliver it through angels. But in his sovereignty, he decided to use weak, helpless vessels. And that is exactly the point of 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, where we read this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The treasure 
that he refers to in verse 7 is the gospel message. And he says that this message is placed intentionally in jars of clay. That is to say, uh, he places this message uh, within weak, frail, sinful human beings for a purpose to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. When we were living in an apartment in Worcester, we did not have an oven, we didn't have a stove, and so all we had was a crock pot and a toaster oven. And my wife became very skilled in making meals on those two things. One Easter, she made uh, lamb in the toaster oven, and several times she baked an entire pie. And uh, if you hadn't known that it was um, uh, made in a toaster oven, uh, you would you just wouldn't know that uh, that that had happened because it just tasted like any other pie, any other lamb that you would have. Um, she makes good meals in the toaster oven, and so you've got to have a pretty skilled person who can do that. And that's exactly what Saint Corinthians four is saying. You don't look at the toaster oven and say to yourself, "My, what a fabulous toaster oven! Where can I get one of those?" No, you compliment my wife because the more rudimentary the tool the more praise goes to the person using the tool. If you can bake pies and cook lamb and create delicious meals out of a toaster oven, you know, what kind of person are you to be able to have that kind of skill to do that? And in 2 Corinthians 4, the same point is made. If you look at the ministry success of an individual and you say, boy, look at how good they are. You know, look at how well they preach or they evangelize. If you do that, your eyes are looking in the wrong direction. According to 2 Corinthians 4, you're supposed to say, wow, if anything that good could come from us as human beings, it must be because it's all from God. And the end result of that is that praise and honor and glory is funneled to God and away from us because God has the sovereignty and the ability to use weak vessels to do uh, incredible things we acknowledge that it's not um, that all of the, the glory and the honor and, and all this goes to us. It's all that it gets funneled away from us into God. And this actually is a little bit related to kind of the second thing that I wanted to point out as well. Uh, and that is this. The process of becoming a disciple is itself a divine work. And I want to look at Philippians 2 for that, uh, verses 12 through 13. Uh, it says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is an interesting uh, couple of verses here, because we are told that we are to work out our own salvation. Now, this is related to our conversation of making disciples because I am, as a disciple maker, to come alongside of someone and I am to help them in this work. I am to help point them to Christ. I am to help them to grow in their own sanctification. I am to help them work out their own salvation, as it says here. But there is an interesting component in verse 13 that Paul also wants us to see. And so what he's doing, uh, figuratively speaking here, is he is opening the hood of the car and he looks inside and verse 13, he's pointing at the engine. He's saying, I want you to do this work. I want you to work out your salvation. I want you to get in the car and drive here or whatever it might be. But then he pops open the hood and says, oh, by the way, look at the engine. 
look at how the engine works. And he acknowledges that the engine is run entirely by God. He says specifically, for it is God who works in you, which tells me that my salvation and my sanctification are both acts of grace. They are divine acts of grace. And so here's what I want to remind the disciple maker. It is that our task is always to be pointing people away from ourselves and away from themselves and toward God. When uh, talking or referring to instructing others in the character of God, A.W. Tozer writes this. He says, quote, I can no more do justice to that awesome and wonder-filled theme than a child can grasp a star. Still, by reaching toward the star, the child may call attention to it and even indicate the direction one must look to see it. So as I stretch my heart toward the high, shining love of God, someone who has not before known about it may be encouraged to look up and have hope. I just, I love this quote by Tozer. If you are a Christian, you are called to go and make disciples. How do I do that? Don't point at yourself and your own feeble abilities. Don't point to them and encourage them to look within themselves for hope. Instead, the one role of the disciple maker is to do exactly what Tozer just told us, and that is to simply point your finger at God because he is the source of all of our hope. And because it is a divine work, because it is a work of God, we simply have to cry out with the psalmist in 119, uh, verse 49, where he says, Remember your word to your servant, in which you have made me hope. In which you have made me hope. The divine work of God giving me the ability to do things I couldn't do myself. You are the one who has given me the ability to even have hope in you. And so let us cry out to God that he would grant us hope and that he would work in us by his grace. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.